0: You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's room. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed from for me when as yet there were there was none of them how precious to me are your thoughts O God how vast how vast in the sum of them if I wouldn't count them they are more than the sand I awake and I will I am still with you this is God's word
1: there was a moment in Jesus life when he was actually indignant the scriptures tell us It says, Jesus became indignant because his disciples were putting distance between him and children. And he said, don't don't hinder children from coming to me. They actually have, and I'm paraphrasing now, they have an inbuilt quality which makes them more responsive to the truth that has to be recovered when you become older. So don't hinder them. So what we're going to do this morning is I am going to basically talk to the children. And I'm going to share with them some things. Basically what we're going to do, at least initially, is unpack the second law of thermodynamics, its relationship to uh, evolution and things like that, but in terms that are easier for them to understand. So that's what we're going to be doing this morning, is talking about things that kids can grasp and as they do, it is life-changing, it is world-changing. World so, I use the expression, uh, second law of thermodynamics, so I'm curious, does, does anybody of the kids know what that... You, yeah, Paul, okay. Uh, so stand up here a minute. So you know what the second law of thermodynamics is? What is it? All things
0: proceed toward entropy.
1: All things proceed toward entropy, right? I guess. <laughs> hey, so entropy, that's kind of a... I don't know, kind of a fancy word. Can you kind of dial that down for us and explain what does that mean?
0: Entropy means all, all things eventually break down.
1: Yeah, exactly. Things break. Thank you so much, Paul. That was great. So, yes, things break down. Things fall apart. Things deteriorate. So what I'm going to do is actually show you in a, uh, in a visual way how the second law of thermodynamics works and how it relates to creation. So we're going to start here with some blocks, and as you can see, these are all just kind of random, but I'm gonna see if I can sort them a little bit and uh, learn some things. So what I'm doing is creating a stack. Thank you, I appreciate your help. Oh yeah, so this looks like, yeah, okay, I've got this, and I'm gonna let you see what I'm doing. So that you can see this here is a stack of ones that are different sizes. Oh, that's interesting. It has some kind of bevel on it. That's weird. Okay. So anyway, I've got a bunch of blocks here. And some of these blocks are actually, they look like a matched set. So I've got like some here that I could actually start to build something using that. So let's do that. Let's see if there's any other, ooh, this looks like a matched pair, so I can use that to go up here. Oh, no, that doesn't look like a matched pair, but no, no, ooh, maybe one of these. No, aha, here's two. So what I'm doing is I'm actually creating order out of what was random, okay? Now, the second law of thermodynamics actually says that things proceed from order to disorder. So as an example, uh, on the property where we live, behind us to the east, there is a barn. I don't think that barn has been used for 50 years because the the roof is gone. And that's the same here. So for example, if you had wind... What you can see is that it's proceeding toward entropy In other words, it's starting to break down And if there's an earthquake As you can see, it's starting to break down And eventually, over time, this will just become random With the weather and so on that's proceeding toward entropy. Something that was organized becomes disorganized and random. And so that's the second law of thermodynamics. Now, here's a question for you. How long will we have to wait for this to actually become organized like what you saw at first, all by itself? (laughs) Yeah, forever. It's never going to do that. It's never going to just become organized by itself. For one, there's, uh, not, uh, it does, it's not able to access energy. But I can supply some energy, can't I? I can go, okay, let's see here. Let's organize the pieces. Let's find some that match. And so what's happening right now is I am using my body as an engine to move parts and I'm able to use design, use intelligence to figure out, oh, those two match the same height. So that will work well. Now, I noticed one here, yeah, here's one, that's got a bevel on the top. If I try and build something with that, it's gonna be, un- it's gonna be unstable. It's gonna be hard to stand up very much. So I know I need to use pieces that are the same distance on the sides. Now, I realize this is very rudimentary, but what you're seeing is that I am using intelligence, we hope there's some up there, and I'm using energy, basically my body as a motor to create order out of the absence of order. I'm basically taking things that are all random and creating something out of that using matter, that's this, and energy, which I'm tapping into using my body as a motor, and I'm using design principles or intelligence to be able to make this into something. Now, that's actually what happened with creation. For example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the raw material of creation. Then he started to separate the different pieces of that initially into light and darkness and so here I'm going through a a process in which I'm deciding all right which are the ones that are matched pairs I'm organizing this so that I can build a structure and that's what God did he said let there be light and there was light and God separated the night from the darkness he's actually distinguishing pieces Then God said, this is uh, another day later, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so God was creating something far more complex than these simple structures that I've just shown you. He was creating something far more complex by tapping into the matter, using himself as the engine, and using his mind as the design principle. And he was creating life. And no amount of time when it's random is going to create something. It just doesn't happen that way because everything proceeds towards entropy. And the only way you can overcome that is with Energy and design. And that's what God did when he created this world. Uh, There's one other component I haven't told you about. It says, then God, this is from verse 7 of chapter 2, then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground. So he actually took particles from the earth and he moved them and maneuvered them in a certain way to where you saw basically a human body. That was Adam's. Something far more sophisticated than just some blocks. And then God did this, which is the fourth component. He breathed into him the breath of life. Life doesn't just happen. No amount of time waiting for these blocks to organize themselves will produce order. But God created the matter, created the energy used design, used his mind, which is infinitely wise, and then breathed into this thing he had created, the breath of life, and he became Adam, the first man. So this couldn't have just happened. It was the product of those four things, including God designing. Now, I realize that what I've shown you is very rudimentary so I would like you to just catch a glimpse of the sophisticated nature of what it is that God has created because it's not just a block set or even a Lego set. It's something far more complex and far more ingenious. And so I've asked Dr. John to come and explain to you just one aspect of what makes our body so amazing. So Dr. John, what are you going to tell us about? Oh, thank you, Jim. And I'm going to clear my clutter out of here for a minute All right. so that you're well good morning free to go. everybody um
0: first thing I want you guys to think about is your favorite story I remember when I was you guys age my favorite stories were Charlotte's web and the lion the witch and the wardrobe and you know the person who wrote the book the person who created the story is called the author of the story And our world, from when it began till now, it's all God's story. He's the author of this story we're living in. But he didn't just write down words on the pages of a book. He spoke his story into existence. He spoke each character into existence. And it is an amazing gift to get to exist in his story. And guess what? You guys not only get to exist in his story, but you've been given a speaking part. And that means you have a very important role to play in his story. And he created you in your body with the role he wanted you to play in the story in mind when he created you. Now, um, in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, I know y'all kind of learned it this week, King David understood that God was the author of his story. When he wrote the words, you knit my inmost parts together. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. So, so many things we do. He made uh, our bodies completely, amazingly wonderful. And we take so much for granted, but if we look at some of the details and just learn a little bit about our amazing bodies that God has created, we'll see that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And everything we do that seems basic is quite miraculous. So let me ask you a question. Who all ate breakfast this morning before church? Raise your hand if you ate breakfast this morning. Uh Uh-oh, I see some folks not raising their hands. Some of you, some of these fine allegedly some parents were a little too rushed this morning to feed their their young children here before before church so imagine you're getting kind of hungry but you know how do you know you're hungry it just kind of comes natural right even when you were babies you didn't have to be taught you knew when you were hungry and how did you ask your mom and dad you you even knew how to tell them when you were hungry how did that what did that sound like when you were a little baby Uh, that's right Uh, I, I hope you still don't ask for food that way but that's right we all know these things because they just come so natural and that's because the one who manufactured us made it just natural for us who manufactured us God did that's right and he made us in amazing ways have you ever thought about to live we have to breathe in air and we have to eat food and it both goes through the mouth and then it has to separate in completely different locations to keep us alive you know It's very easy to get numb to some of God's marvelous creation if we don't take the time to examine it. So let's examine together a little bit of this process of eating. So I want you all to kind of work with me. How do we know that we're hungry? Well, we have little messengers all over our body, and they typically travel up the bloodstream to tell the brain its message when it needs to know it. And when you are hungry, those of you who didn't eat breakfast, your stomach's empty right now. And it's secreting one of these little messengers, these hormones. And so I want y'all to help me, kids. So what we're going to do is we're going to travel up the bloodstream with our little hormone that the stomach secreted. So y'all help me paddle up the bloodstream. Come on, let me see you paddling a little bit. Yeah, very good. We're paddling up. We're looking for the brain. I think I see the brain. Yeah, there's definitely a brain cell, a neuron. So we're going to take this little hormone called ghrelin and we're going to throw it up to the brain. And now the brain absorbs this hormone, and it knows, hey, I'm hungry. And so it tells its human, let's reach out for some food. So now pretend to reach out for something you really like to eat. Now, I'm going to grab a good sushi roll. (laughs) But really, it doesn't matter how pretty or how yummy it is. Your body's going to take that sushi roll or whatever you chose and turn it into three main ingredients. And the rest is just going to get rid of when you go to the restroom. (laughs) So take this food of choice, let's put it in our mouth and y'all help me start eating. It's okay for this demonstration to smack away. And while you're chewing that up, your teeth are breaking that food down to smaller particles. And we have this amazing process of salivation where the saliva has some enzymes that start to uh, basically disassemble the food into one of the three main ingredients, protein, fat, and sugar, and our bodies need all that. So it's getting kind of soupy, and so now we're going to swallow it. Take a big gulp. Let's hear you gulping. Mm -mm. Yeah, but did you know that when you swallow, there's actually three different paths that food can travel, and only one path is the right path. I mean, I remember when I was your age in the school lunchroom, and my friend was chugging a big carton of milk, and I made him laugh really hard, and it all came up through his nose. (laughs) Gross! Gross! But kind of hilarious. But that's one thing. If you're not paying attention when you swallow, the roof of your mouth won't seal off and it can come up through your sinuses and nose instead of going down. But if it goes down, then there's one tube in the back of the throat called the hypopharynx. And it divides into two very separate tubes. And from there, swallowing's a little life or death. So I want to give you an analogy that I think you can understand to help you understand how scary this can be. So pretend we're on this really scary, scary water slide at this make-believe water park. And you're sliding down, fast as lightning. Uh, you look ahead of you. There's no turning back at this point, And you realize that this one slide turns into two very different slides. One slide goes down to a nice pool where you can splash in and have a great landing. But the other slide, you look down, and there's a pool of hungry sharks. And you probably won't survive. We wouldn't want to take that water slide, would we? But every time we swallow, if God hadn't given us at least four different protective devices to make sure the food goes down the right pipe, it could be just as scary as that water slide. So I have a little uh, model here to help us understand. This looks kind of funny, but it actually is pretty accurate to what is inside our bodies. Maybe for somebody more like Goliath than somebody my size. But this corresponds with where my little Adam's apple is and this is just like the water slide this is the right tube that goes to the stomach that's where we want the food to go if it goes down to the stomach life this is the windpipe tube and this leads to the lungs if the food goes down to the lungs possibly death from not being able to breathe or some severe infection that we call aspiration pneumonia so how does it get to the right tube well God's given us four mechanisms. First of all, everybody say, ah. Ah. Very good. Well, that is coming, the noise is coming from your vocal cords, which are in front of this tube that leads to the lungs. And the first thing when we swallow, our vocal cords close shut to seal off this tube. Secondly, there's a piece of cartilage called the epiglottis that flaps over and seals it a little more. Thirdly, muscles lift this part of the uh, throat up and forward, and it creates a little funnel to divert all the food to the tube that goes to the stomach. But if some slips in and gets in the wrong tube, the fourth mechanism God has given us is a strong cough reflex. (coughs) So we can bring it back up out of the lungs into the mouth. So hopefully the the food gets to this tube leading to the stomach and this tube in itself is quite miraculous. You know, the muscles have special movements that push the food into the stomach so strongly that you can actually stand on your head and drink a milkshake, and it'll go uphill into the stomach without a problem. And I know this from experience. <laughs> Don't try this at home without adult supervision. Guys, what does it sound like when you throw up? When you vomit? Yes, yeah. I think you've experienced that before. Okay. Well, one role of our body is the detection and the rejection of infection, <laughs> and if we get some bad stuff in our stomach, this whole process we described in the position and the direction the muscles go, can miraculously reverse and get rid of all that stuff, just like that. And if it's you throwing up, it's pretty disgusting, but actually, it's quite miraculous. So. I hope you can see that when we swallow, instead of just saying, man, that food tasted good, we probably should be saying, praise you, God. That food went down the right pipe, was broken down to the right substance, was absorbed, and went to some places to give me energy, some places to make my bones grow, some places to make my muscles strong, and it nourished organs all over our body. You can see we are truly fearfully and wonderfully made there's no way that all that just happened by chance and although God has made billions and billions of humans we have not been mass produced no God individually handcrafted each one of you and he had your life purpose in mind when he created you you know, I remember uh, when I was a little bit older than y'all, I thought, if God would just make me bigger, I'm going to be a professional athlete. But I realized that wasn't my role in his story. But God has guided me to a role in his story that's better than any I could have ever imagined. So if we look to God and if we pray to God, he'll be faithful to guide you in the role that he designed you to play in his story. Thank you, Pastor Jim.
1: Mm -hmm. and what's so fascinating is what he's shown us is just one little glimpse of what are a multitude of amazing things that God has done when he created us what's fascinating is that God created Adam from clay And he manipulated it in such a way that all of these amazing capacities were produced. And everyone in this room, you are amazingly, marvelously made. And God has equipped you to do incredible things. Now I want to show you something that kind of, oh, you need to use to balance what I've just said. You can do amazing things because of how God has created you but I want to show you that there are limits to what you can do and I want to show you what God will do. So for this, I'm going to light a series of candles and we're going to kind of test people's ability to blow candles out. So what I'm interested in, let me get them lit here. It's hard to do two things at once, at least for me. Okay, those look like they're going good. So what I'm interested in is someone who's really good at blowing out candles. Is there somebody here who's good? Maggie. Okay, come on up, Maggie. So what we're going to do is run some tests, all right? So I want you to stand right here, and uh, I would like, let's get a little closer, all right? Okay, and uh, let's measure the distance here. Okay, this is 12 inches. See if you can blow that candle out. Oh, look at that, you nailed two. All right, I'm going to relight them. Well, that one came back. That's weird. All right. It's not a trick candle. All right, take a step back. Okay, here we go. This is 26 inches. You're getting close. All right, let's come a little bit closer. Stop, there we go. Okay, this is 18 inches. All right, nailed it. That is good. You are a good candle blower outer. So, God has given you, and you remember Dr. John told you all about the things that happen with your windpipe. Your lungs are compressing, and you're able to blow that air out. Now, look at that white line over there. Yeah, go ahead and stand there. So, um, a question I have for you you know, at 24 inches, you had trouble but at 18 inches you were able to do it. Do you think you can blow the candles out from here? No way, if only I had an arazuka. Pardon me, what did you just say? No way, if only I had an arazuka. An arizuka. here, hold this a minute. i see if I got anything <laughs> like that around. Oh, yeah. here's an airzuka. No way, I need a bigger one. I need a bigger one, okay. Fortunately, I have one. Uh, what do you think does that look about right yes okay all right I'm gonna go ahead and cock him here and I'll take the microphone from you and I'm gonna set down the tape measure and uh, pray for this to go well and <laughs> all right you got it kind of aimed in you think all right go ahead and all right let's let's re-cock here a minute all right see what you can do there oh very good well done So you can go ahead and have a seat. What you've just seen is that, and I don't know if I have the courage to let her take them all, but uh, after the service, you can come up and air zuka the rest. Okay? All right. What you just saw is that we have limits. God has made us in an amazing way, but there are limits to what we can do. But... What she was able to do from here with the air zuka Is a great illustration of how We can do amazing things through the wind That is the Holy Spirit There is the Holy Spirit When Jesus ascended into heaven Just before he left He said you're going to be my witnesses When the Holy Spirit comes And then on the day of Pentecost About ten days later The Holy Spirit came and it was the sound of a rushing wind. And one of the passages where it talks about the arrival of the Spirit was one in chapter four where they were praying. God, we're pleading for your Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and filled them with boldness. And they were able to communicate the gospel in powerful and persuasive ways. By ourselves, we might be able to blow out a candle from a short distance. But if the Holy Spirit will help us, our words can actually penetrate hearts. You see, we've been marvelously, incredibly made. We were spoken into existence by our designer and our creator in a unique way. And God is willing to give us his spirit, who's like an air zuka who can help our words communicate the incredible truth that we didn't just arise out of the mud, but we were created by our God. And that message can go out to people powered by his spirit and go places that we could never take it just by ourselves. That's how amazing our God is. He made us in an amazing way, and he's willing to work with us to accomplish things that even go beyond our ability. That's who our God is. That's amazing. So praise God for all the things he has done. Let's pray. Father, we are in awe of you and what you did You've created every person in this room as an amazing glimpse of your ability and your genius. And we want to let the world know about that. And we know that you are capable of working with us to give our words of praise power to penetrate even hard hearts. So we're pleading with you that you would help us to be those who are able to say, God is our creator. He's the one who made us. He's the one who has saved us. And he is the one who gives us the ability to share the message of the gospel to every person on this planet. Thank you for these wonderful gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.